Hi, Dave here. If you're a fan of the Medical Dads, I'd like to take a moment to introduce you to my new podcast, Unique Stories. Join me each week as I interview fascinating people and get them to share some of their life stories in their own voices. In the first season, we'll talk lifelong learning with a career coach who started off in IT before pivoting into education, relive the immigrant experience with guests from Hong Kong and China who moved to Canada years ago as children, and talk building a career in real estate with a successful real estate agent. All this and more. So please, check out Unique Stories on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you think you have a good story to tell, drop me a line on Twitter at Dr. Dave Shu. See you around. Because if I was in charge of it, I would run like a virtual school, but it would just be one teacher. It would be like a podcast. <laughs> it would just be this one teacher reading monotonously into a mic with a thousand students, right? That guy can carry the entire school board on his back. Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, Dr. Harmon, we're back for another episode of Medical Dads. Good evening, Dr. Shu. And why is it that we're recording in the evening? Or in the night, I should really <laughs> say. It's not evening anymore. It's been so long, I don't even remember what it's like to do anything in the daytime except be with my children. <laughs> That's right. The children are all nestled, tucked in their beds. Uh, and we do this at night because during the daytime, Dave is homeschooling his kids. <laughs> yeah, and that is what we're going to talk about today. Not just homeschooling, but we're talking about this entire September 2020 schooling fiasco that parents are going through around the world. That's right. I guess we're going to we're going to take the temperature, take the temperature of the COVID situation, the school <laughs> situation, and and take stock of where we are right now. So, let me get us started with telling you a little bit about what's been going on at home lately. So, okay. for those of you who don't know, my kids are staying at home, right? I've had patients come up to me like in the last month or uh, uh, since August, I guess. And they come up to me like, what about your kids? Are your kids going to school? And I would look at them and just say, no. <laughs> and they'd be like, ah, oh, exactly. I feel the same way, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I had a more than one parent come and ask me this about their kids. And then we would have a discussion about, you know, the practicalities of going to school. And a lot of times the parents who are asking this are parents of young children. And I right. think you and I have talked about this on the show where we felt, you know, if your children are very, very young and you can have the, you have the means to keep them at home a little bit and see where the numbers go for COVID, yeah. then that's a pretty, you know, prudent decision given everything that we know about this virus, yeah. right? So that's what my family decided that we would keep the kids at home Luckily, our school offers a virtual schooling option, like an online option. So the, the teacher at our school is teaching the class, but also is being recorded via Zoom and getting beamed yeah. back to our house. So we're watching the class. We don't really see any of the other classmates because the screen is always on the teacher or on some work that's being done. Yeah. But we can hear the goings-ons in the class a little bit, right? <laughs> and then at the same time, there's probably another 
you know, 14 or 15 kids who are also at home watching the class. Yeah. But of that group, some of them go to the school on other days of the week. So the actual class has been cut into two groups to okay. minimize the class size. Yeah. So there's a group that goes a couple times a week. There's another group that goes the other days of the week. And on the days they're not there, everyone's at home with the third group that's always at home. Okay. So we're in that third group. And it's been something like uh, something bizarre <laughs> because... <laughs> Yeah, because my son, he's in junior kindergarten, so this should be like the you know the the big JK milestone, right. like first year. Like you give them their backpack, yeah, send them off to school, take your photos. Like we actually we did the photos on the first day, we got them in their uniforms, took the photos, and then turned on Zoom. Right. <laughs> but uh, the the crazy part of it is that like I'm 42 years old, and I feel like I'm going through kindergarten again myself because. For my son to sit there through his kindergarten class on Zoom yeah. means dad has to sit next to him, right? Slightly off screen, like you'll see my arm come out yeah. from time to time. But basically, you're kind of there the whole way. Like you're watching him color every line. Like uh, <laughs> you're tasting the paste right along, right along with him. It, it, it's amazing. Like how. It's amazing how quickly it comes back to you, though. Like that kindergarten stuff. It's oh, like it I, I actually <laughs> just because there's so much this you forgot. You're like the alphabet. Yeah, now that I'm saying it, it's really how it's coming back. A B C D E. I, I feel like if I could go back to kindergarten, I would probably be rocking it in that class. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a guarantee, but but yeah, that's the funny part. Like you're going through these classes again, and my daughter's a little bit older, so she's a little bit more independent. So we don't have to like sit on her shoulder as she's going through these classes. Yeah. But for my son, really, like we're there all the time, and he does about half a day on half a day on Zoom, and in the afternoon there really isn't much online stuff. So even like when they gave us the schedule, the afternoon, you know, junior kindergarten kids are napping, having a snack, going outside. So then the afternoon we kind of just take it easy. So it's yeah. not a not horrible. Okay. Right. But there have been some like funny things that have happened as a result of this bizarre like school system. So like not just at our school, but I think all of the online schools, the first couple of days are full of like these online glitches, right? You, you log on the first day and the Zoom is super choppy. You can't hear a word the teacher's saying. And in the back of your mind, you're like, this is not going to go well. Like this is a whole year of this. Like when, do, when can we switch back in? Yeah. But on one of those early days, the uh, class had an assignment. And I think they asked the class to draw a picture. It was just, it was one of those, uh, you know, draw yourself picture. Yeah. Right. So I think you and I might've chatted about part of this story before. So they have this draw yourself picture and to demonstrate a teacher puts a piece of paper on the screen and now draws herself. Right. right. And it fills her in her name. Like I am Mrs. So-and-so. So I'm looking at the picture and it's a nice little cartoon of the teacher. So then I give my son a crayon. I'm like, okay, you get started, draw yourself right? So he draws himself. And I know how my son draws at this age, right? Like he's basically like a round circle for a head and maybe a little round circle for the body and okay. some sticks sticking out, yeah. right? The teacher's drawing is like much more carefully constructed, right? It has like arms. The arms have like thickness and the legs have, have widths and stuff, right? And as we're working on this and I'm looking at my son's drawing and my son is not really paying close attention. There's a chat room in Zoom where, like, the parents can chat with the class, right? Okay. And this is one of the first times I'm watching the chat, and suddenly one parent is like, excuse me, like, I think that the drawing sample you provided is a little bit too difficult for children of this age. It, would it be possible to find, like, some more age-appropriate assignments, <laughs> right? And 
I don't know. I felt I just felt bad for the <laughs> did the person misunderstand what the assignment was? Did did he think the teacher was trying to teach kids this is how you draw a person? Is that what they thought? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like I was looking. Yeah, for sure. Her drawing was much better than my son's. And I, if we were comparing the two, he he wouldn't have passed, yeah. right? But yeah, it was. I I felt bad. I was like, man, like every move the teacher makes now, the 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 parent is watching like yeah. a hawk, right? And normally, you know, you drop your kids off at school, you say hi to the teacher, you maybe you pick say hi at pickup, right? Yeah. But really, you're not going to say much to the teacher until three months from now when you have parent-teacher interview, right? <laughs> the kid goes into this school and it becomes a black hole that you don't know what's going yeah. on. Now, the parents know every little detail of what's going on, right? Yeah. And it's a little much. Like, I feel like the teachers, like, they deserve, like, some prize for this because this is not easy. Like, it would be like you and me practicing medicine with, like, a gallery, of a peanut gallery watching us, yeah. you know? I don't think I could handle that. Well, I mean, with pediatrics, right, uh, most of the time you, you have the kid uh, and you're doing your physical exam and you're doing mm -hmm. your interview with the kid, and then you also have the parents. Uh, so right. to some extent, I am used to having the parents kind of watching <laughs> what you're doing. And you ask the kid questions and they want to sometimes interject or right. try to read. You ask a specific question, they try to rephrase it to something else. And you're sort of like, mm -hmm. ah, actually, I, the original question I asked was for a reason. I actually want to get that done. But uh, what you're describing sounds more like if you had not just the parents, but uh, all the grandparents, all the aunts and uncles, uh, all the extended family, all watching on some kind of screen and each one with opinion. Or 14 parents yeah. watching at the same time, <laughs> right? right? Each of them overly concerned about their child's education <laughs> in this precise moment in time. Well, uh, did you know that there is a thing called the draw a man test that we use in pediatrics? So this is it's an old thing but and it's a i don't think they call it the draw man test anymore it's the draw person test but the idea is mm -hmm. it's a way of measuring crudely the child's intelligence you ask them to draw a person and you say to them make this person as detailed as possible and then they actually get points for how many details they add right down to if they add fingers and earlobes right and right knees and all this kind of stuff and so the more detail they add, the more points they get. And at certain ages, you expect them to get a certain number of points. So perhaps mm. this father, uh, maybe you need to tell him that, uh, no, this isn't an assignment. This is just an assessment. And your child is failing <laughs> miserably. <laughs> well, it is the first day of kindergarten. And more to the point, it wasn't a father. They're all moms. I'm the, I think I'm the only <laughs> dad there, right? And I think there's some grandparents there. So sometimes the teacher... I think they operate under this assumption that it's mostly grandparents that are able to have kids stay home. So they're like, you know, when you go home or those of you at home, have your grandparents help you with that. And it's like the dads really get no love. Like we do not get appreciated at all in this context. Oh, this is awesome. I can't wait till they get to closer to Mother's Day or Father's Day. And the assignment is, you know, now you have to make a surprise for your dad, who obviously isn't in the room, because what dad would be home with his kids during homeschooling? If your dad is a family physician, anything is possible, apparently. That's right. So to finish that story, so my son's drawing himself. He draws himself, and so the kids are drawing themselves. I'm, like, looking at him, and then... At some point, somewhere in the middle of his his drawing, I looked down because I got a I got a message, right? So I'm looking at my phone for no more than three seconds, right? Yeah. I look up, and he has colored himself blue. Like I think I had said, 
color, just color it, color it well. And then I looked at my phone and when I look up, he's all blue and it looks like a mess. I'm like, the teacher wants this one. Like the, you got to hand this one in, right? <laughs> he looks at me, it. he's like, well, now what are you going to do? So he looks at me, takes his crayon and then puts a large X over the blue blob. He's like, I'm going to X it out. Right. So he just deleted himself. Doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, fine. Let's draw it again. Draw another one of you next to it. So oh, he does. He draws it next to it. And for some reason, at some point, a light bulb clicks and he gets into the assignment. Like he's enjoying it. Okay. Right. So he draws himself and then he keeps drawing. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? And I see him drawing like it looks like a round circle with some jagged lines at the bottom. And like, wait a minute. Are you drawing a ghost from Pac-Man? Which I had not taught him how to do. He's like, no, no, no. This is a skull. And I'm looking at him like, oh, no. I did teach him how to draw a skull, <laughs> right? Because a few weeks earlier, his sister and him were playing pirate. And they wanted a pirate flag. Okay. So I had done a skull and crossbone. So next thing I know, he scattered like four skulls around him. Right, so the about me is him with these four skulls. <laughs> me on a mountain of conquests, on a throne of skulls. Now I'm like, uh, should I? Should we redo this? Like we're at home, like we it's a Zoom assignment. I can I can get a clean sheet of paper and we can redo it. Except the teacher actually had given us this in like their package, yeah. and I don't have another copy of the template anymore. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, these skulls. I guess you could just call them. Then he he starts putting like like you're talking about the man test. They should have the pirate test. Draw a pirate. Like, test. He starts drawing like an eye patch around one eye. I'm like. What's wrong with that guy's eye? He has like a round circle around. It. He's like, he's like, that's the eye patch. He's a pirate. I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense. There's a pirate walking through a field of skulls. And I'm like, that doesn't look that nice. So then he goes and puts a patch on the other eye. So now this pirate can't even see. And I'm like, those that looks like he's got glasses on. Like, why is that pirate man? That's you. You don't wear glasses. He's like, that guy watched too much television, right? <laughs> Which is what we've been telling. I'm like, this assignment is a disaster. And I got to turn this in. So then finally, when I did turn it in, I had to leave a little comment. Like, you know, my son's really into pirates. I know, like, skulls is not cool. Like, uh, <laughs> like. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what the teacher is even doing with these. <laughs> I don't know. She she did write a re re reply, like very vivid imagery or something. I can't remember exactly. <laughs> Your child has now been red flagged. We will be watching you very closely. It. It reminds me of the story of when I was in med school. I, I, I think I've told you this story before, where I was sitting next to the girl in our class who was an art therapy specialist or something. Oh, yes, yes. And I, and I drew, for some reason, Hannibal Lecter, right, with the hockey mask on, and then, like, a barrel of a shotgun pointing at him, probably because I was really bored in class and wanted to shoot myself. I don't know. Right. She looks at me. He's like, you know, the last 20 minutes, all you've done in this class is draw mass freaks and skulls. If you continue doing this, I might have to report you to somebody. <laughs> and here I am sitting next to my son, first day of kindergarten, and we're going down the same dark path. It's a mess. I think I am getting a clearer picture of why your son might be drawing skulls and crossbones <laughs> that you did say you taught him how to draw. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, boy. My, one of my kids, my oldest daughter now, when she was probably about four or so, had a similar type of thing where at school they traced around the kid. They, the kids laid down a giant piece of paper and they traced mm -hmm. around them and then asked the kids to just to draw and fill in. And she brought home this thing where there's all these lines coming out from the armpit and from the, 
from the neck and from the leg. And I can't even remember what it was supposed to be. I think she was saying <laughs> that this was supposed to be sweats or something or motion lines because she's moving <laughs> fast. But she drew it all in bright red. So it just looked like she had this picture of an outline of a person with blood squirting out from the armpits, from the neck, and I think from the crotch. <laughs> yeah, we took a picture of her holding the holding it up, and for some reason, at the exact moment we snapped the picture, she made this crazy look with her eyes that just highlights even more that it looks like she's some kind of demented <laughs> junior serial killer. Uh, I don't know. I. Sometimes I feel like in instances like this, it's better for the parents not to be too hands-on in your child's education. I'll just send them to school. I'll let them draw images of death, and I'll just let the teacher sort that out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, how, how's the rest of it going? I mean, overall, like, we've been in school for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. So we're kind of getting used to the rhythms of it, right? Some aspects of teaching kids at home are great yeah. you know you don't you don't have to drive anywhere in the morning there's no rush hour yeah right you don't have to race anywhere in the afternoon right you get a nice hot lunch at home right so one like one day i was like you know what since we're home i'm just gonna go all out you know we're gonna make stir-fried like chinese style noodles today we're not gonna eat leftovers nice because i have i have a repository of frozen stuff that we could just heat up yeah but i'm like you know what we're at home we might as well make the most of it and at least that at least if we go back to school you know, six months from now or three months from now, they'll say, you know, during that period, at least my lunches were good. <laughs> I might not have learned anything, but I at least ate okay. <laughs> right? So it's been okay. And, you know, in the mornings, you know, the dreaded morning, get your kids dressed and up and out of the house, oh, like yeah. that's gone. Yeah. Right? The, like the school day starts at like 8.30 for the kids at school. Yeah. But the actual class starts at 9. So there's this 30-minute black hole where i think they're changing out of their <laughs> jackets and stuff yeah where they don't learn anything so that's great like we're still at home eating cereal at that point right yeah so some parts of it i have quite enjoyed do they right? put their uniforms on or do they want to do this in their pajamas? no no only for the first day we did that they do not put on their uniforms so they it, it's it's very i guess it fits with the whole thing where the people at home are just more lax yeah in all regards sitting around in yesterday's clothes yeah so like, I mean, it's coming from me, right? I'm the, I'm the guy who has bought fully into online shopping and pick up your groceries. And now kids are going to go to school through Zoom. It's all good. You know, it's, the less I have to drive the car, the better. Well, now your son would have no real basis of comparison since this is his first year in kindergarten. But for your daughter, yeah. who's older, is she missing friends or knowing that other kids from her class are back and she's not or she's not quite well the, there yet. the weird thing is that we actually switched schools like this was prior to the pandemic okay we had to decide we're going to switch to a new school this year yeah so she actually knows nobody okay right? so it's this weird thing where she knows nobody and there is a part of us it's like we could just send her to school just for the sake of meeting people but then we're like half the class isn't even there they're all at home anyway yeah. right and we'd only be going for two days a week what's the point yeah right? so it is quite bizarre she hasn't really expressed that and when we do talk about it she kind of expresses that she'd rather not get the virus right okay so at least at least she understands why we're at home my son is kind of just oblivious yeah trying to explain to them, look, this isn't about getting the virus. You'll be fine if you get the virus. This is about not getting the nasal pharyngeal swab. That part <laughs> is not fun. <laughs> so how about your kids? Like they've all gone back now for 
like about a week, right? Or a little bit more than a week. That's right. So we were supposed to go back September 3rd, and then our school board was going to start before the other ones. Uh, and then as a September 3rd approached, the teachers, well, not, maybe not the teachers, but the school board realized, oh, yeah, we're not prepared at all. Uh, <laughs> we have the, the, the teaching assignments and, and what courses the teachers were supposed to teach. They didn't mm-hmm. even know it like two days prior to the start of school. Right. So uh, then that got pushed back uh, a week, which so September 8th, which was in line with the other school boards. But then as that approached, they realized they're still not ready. And then we were pushed back to the week after that. So... Um, my, and because my kids are in different grades, their start times were and start days were staggered. Uh, so uh, one kid went back to school on September 16th, the other two September 17th, and then the last one September 18th. So, mm. yeah, we, we've sort of completed now a full week and a couple of days of school, sort of a week mm. and a half into it. And some parts of it they are absolutely loving. Uh, because all my kids had been in school before. None, none of them are starting for the first time. So right. they had had plenty of time to miss their friends. Um, so that was a, that's a big thing for them to go back and see their friends. Huge, huge deal for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, even my youngest one, who in kindergarten, you may not necessarily remember your friends that much or whatnot, but she had a teacher that she really liked who she's now back and seeing. And so that was, mm-hmm. that was big. So they're very happy about that. They don't like wearing their masks, but they are doing it. <laughs> now, some of them are pretty small. Like the, the guideline right now is saying that kids below grade four, I think, don't need to wear the mask. It's just recommended. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I think the what they're saying is uh, grade four and below don't have to wear the mask. They're not making it mandatory, but certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would prefer for the kids to wear the masks, and the teachers definitely want the kids to wear the masks. You get a very, you get a, from some of the communication that's come home, you get the sense that the teachers would feel much more at ease if the kids were wearing a mask. Right. Yeah. Right. But I'd say my youngest, who's in, who's in senior kindergarten now, she showed up on the first day happy, ready, willing to wear the mask, because at that point she didn't know what it was like to wear it all day long. So, but yeah, she showed up wearing the mask. Many of the other kids in the class showed up wearing the mask. And I really think it's one of those things, once you have a critical mass of kids in the class wearing a mask, then most of the kids in the class are going to more or less fall in line. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, some of the things that I was sort of wondering if would happen, I'm starting to see play out. Uh, for example, wearing a mask all day long, and, and these masks that are just sold at the Gap or... You know, three for a three for ten dollars at Joe Fresh or whatnot. These are all just ten dollars. They're like ten dollars each, man. <laughs> uh, it depends on the quality of the fabric that you're getting. <laughs> I'm definitely seeing. You can go to Walmart and you get a three pack for ten dollars easily. <laughs> but uh, so, what about those masks? Well, those masks, you know, these are things that are more or less hastily thrown together. Not things really tested uh, for uh, comfort and this type of thing for like extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, uh, all my kids to one degree or another, are, I, I would dare say have somewhat sensitive skin. Um, mm-hmm. but my, th- one of my kids within a, within like the second or third day, I'm looking at her face and realizing that she's starting to get like red spots and little areas mm-hmm. where if we don't do something about that, then she's going to come back with impetigo or some other skin infection very soon. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying to her like, oh yeah, you got some spots there. She's saying, yes, yes, and they're, and they're itchy. So we actually got her uh, an oversized mask. We got her a mask that's a bit big. She wore that for a day 
a day or two, and it gave the skin a chance to settle down because now the mask just wasn't rubbing against it. Yeah. Great. A mask that's not fitting at all. That's a great idea, Dr. Harmon. <laughs> uh, it's not falling off her face, but these things are hardly fitted in the first place, right? You know, you go buy these masks. There's no guidelines. It's not like buying shoes where somebody gets out that big metal footprint that your kids puts their foot in and has a little slider, <laughs> tells them what's out. These masks are just a random. Right, the, 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 that foot thing that you ignore because the, the style you want is only available in a size that's too small for your feet. <laughs> I think someone's telling a personal story here. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, gave her, I gave her one of the masks that I wear. And uh, you know, these things are already more or less one size fits all, like the one I right. wear. So she wore that and she didn't want to wear it indefinitely, but she wore it for two days. It gave the skin a chance to, to heal. So that's maybe one practical tip that's come out of this for people is that you know, pay attention a little bit to your skin, to your kid's skin around their face when wearing these masks because where they rub uh, can cause an issue. And a lot of kids have this habit. You'll notice this when you walk by a school playground. They're sucking the, mouth in, they're sucking the mask into their mouth. Uh, they're licking it. It's getting wet in there. Their saliva's yeah. all over the place. So they're, yeah, they're willing to do it. I've been surprised. Like, it seems like most kids, if you put them up to it, they are able to wear it. It's not comfortable, but they kind of understand why it needs to be worn. They're able to do it. Even in the kindergarten age, most kids in my son's class are able to wear it from what I can not really observe, but from what the school is telling us. Yeah. It's another one. It's another example of one of these things where parents completely can't do this stuff with their own kids at home. And then we send them to school with this expectation that, oh, the teachers can do it. And somehow <laughs> the teachers, for you know, 90% of the kids, manage to pull some magic out of the hat and get the kids to do what the parents can't. <laughs> My son was telling me that one kid in his class, some boy in his class, took his mask off and threw it on the floor and didn't want to wear it. And I'm saying, oh, well, then what happened? He's saying, well, then the teacher asked him to put his mask back on and told him he needs to wear it. Uh, and that if he doesn't, <laughs> he'll have to go to the principal's office. And then he put his mask back on and he's wearing, wearing his mask. <laughs> Amazing what a little discipline will do to people. <laughs> so, so the kids are doing okay with the mask and they're enjoying school. Is there any downside from what you can see from them being back this far? I, I mean, the big thing is just waiting for that other shoe to drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's coming. It's coming <laughs> real right. fast. When, well, one, one morning this week at breakfast, one of my kids... Uh, I saw had poured herself a gigantic bowl of cereal. And I was mm. thinking like, that's too big. But this one can sometimes be picky with eating and her lunch comes home uneaten. So, you know, if she's going to have a big breakfast and that'll give her the like, calories she needs to get through the morning, I'm fine. Uh, then I went back later and I saw that she'd poured herself another bowl of cereal. And I was like, ah, oh, two <laughs> bowls of cereal. Oh, well, I'll deal with that afterwards. Then I go and have a shower and then I come back and my kids are saying, oh yeah, this one. She's feeling sick. I'm like, oh no! And you start thinking. Wait, wait, wait! I don't understand this. How is pouring cereal a symptom of being sick? No, 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 no. She poured the cereal. She ate it all, and now she's having a stomach ache. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's the that's the I blank see. I had to fill in there. The dot I had to connect. That yeah, she she overate that morning, and and this was some kind of new version of Cheerios that has some kind of nut clusters or something in it. Something where they take Cheerios, which is a pretty benign, more or less healthy or neutral cereal eat, and then adding stuff that makes it t more tasty, but also now just turns it into another garbage breakfast cereal. <laughs> Certainly not something your kid shouldn't eat two heaping bowls of. Right. So, but anyway, she's, uh, they're saying that she's sick. And then I've got, a, you know, only, this is now 
10 minutes before we're supposed to leave the house to get to school on time. And I got to make the snap decision about, okay, is this from eating too much cereal? Or do I need to take her to one of our testing centers in Ottawa and get her tested? Which means that the other kids can't go to school either. And, you know, in, the, in the old days, this would be something where you could say, uh, you know what, I'm not quite sure about this one. I'll keep her home. I'll send the other kids to school. If by noon I realize that the whole thing is just nonsense, then she's good to go back the next day or something. But now you can't do that. If you keep your kid home from school, you know you have to tell the school, I kept her home because I thought she might be sick, which then mm. the school's thing is going to, of course, be, well, then you need to make sure it's not coronavirus well, before you send her back. Now, is that true? Did your school specifically tell you that if one sibling is at home, the other siblings have to stay home? Because this is not a universal rule around the province. Well, the current Ottawa Public Health COVID-19 screening tool for school children that you can access on their website, that would say if you have a household contact who has new COVID symptoms, mm -hmm. then you should stay home from school until that contact tests negative. Right. Or if they actually have coronavirus, then until they've completed their 14-day isolation period. So in Toronto, I actually looked this up the other day because my friend asked me. Yeah. And it was specifically like I looked up Toronto Public Health. They said what to do if you have symptoms. Uh -huh. You can't go to school or like you can't go to work. Yeah. Household contacts are allowed to go to work while they're waiting that test result. But if it tests positive, then those contacts cannot go, which, which opens up this gray box where people who are kind of sick their family members can still continue to go out and infect other people yeah. right, for a few more days before we get that test result that I, shuts them down. So th That's in the context I mean, of having no symptoms, of course, right? Right. They don't have much symptoms, right? Because the idea is that everyone with symptoms needs to be watching it, right? Yeah. Problem is how much, how well are people following these rules, right? right? And, you know, if we follow these rules to a T, we'd probably be okay, but... When it comes to parents and children and schlepping your kids to school, right. if you can't schlep your kid to school just because they ate too much Cheerios, like our society is about to collapse. <laughs> the entire Western economy is going to collapse because of Cheerios. Well, certainly uh, not to say that we shouldn't be being cautious and following these rules, but certainly the actual uh, impact of the precautions that we have to take is felt by more people than the than the actual virus, right? If everything is going well, right? If we actually following right. these measures properly, then right. most people will have had big disruption to their life from the precautions and not have any disruption from their life from actually getting coronavirus, which then well, makes it hard for people to understand why they're taking the precautions in the first place. Yeah. I've been at home for like six months and doing almost all virtual care. Like the, the precautions are out of control here in this household, I got to say. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so this morning we didn't, so by, you know, within 10 minutes it became obvious what what the problem was and, you know, we walked to school, be still thinking I might have to make a snap decision if on the way to school she starts looking off or something. But right. uh, by the time we left the house and she's walking to school, she's fine, day was fine, uh, she came <laughs> home, she's fine, no problems. It's just a good thing that you saw her pour those second bowl of Cheerios. Otherwise, you would have been, it would have been a mystery, like why is she suddenly ill, right? At least here you have a cause and effect. Right. Well, plus I've got the advantage of having a little bit of medical experience, right? To sort of say like, okay, telling the difference between, you know, stomach cramps from overeating versus the beginning of what's going to turn into gas. Medical experience, just experience. It's more important to have cereal breakfast experience. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and I do have plenty of firsthand experience overeating breakfast cereal in the morning. 
So your kids are doing okay overall. And we're just waiting for the shoe to drop. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening in our cities. Yeah. And it's leading us to this conversation because I think that's the context that people need to understand. So you're in Ottawa. And Ottawa, unfortunately, is like Toronto, not doing so hot that's with right. COVID right now. That's right. Uh, Ottawa, I think today we had 105 new cases in, in Ottawa alone, mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot. You know, I think in our yeah. entire province today, there was what, like less than 500 I think a little more than 500. A little more than 500, okay. Yeah. So, you know, roughly one-fifth of that is is my city. <laughs> well, the other four-fifths is Toronto, <laughs> so that's where I live. <laughs> oh, man. But to, to give people an idea of what things are like in the schools, so at this moment, or at this point when I'm recording this at least, 64 schools in Ottawa, in, at least in the Ottawa's four major school boards, 64 schools have had at least one case of COVID-19, one student mm. with COVID-19. Now, that alone doesn't make it an outbreak because you could have acquired COVID-19 and then brought it to school. But mm. if uh, you have more than one case uh, where the, the cases are thought to be linked, then that will be their criteria for declaring it an outbreak. Mm. And so we've had nine schools with an outbreak in Ottawa. What does that mean? Like... If, if you have an outbreak, you don't have to shut down or you do have to shut down or you don't have to do anything? Uh, there's a range. So uh, on one end of the spectrum, it might be as simple as saying, okay, this, this, the, the contacts of this one student have to stay home mm-hmm. for a prescribed amount of time or uh, the class, a, a class has to, has to stay home for a certain amount of time. I know mm-hmm. from what some of my patients have told me that there's at least one or two schools where not a class, but a group. So several classes that share a recess time or a lunch time have had mm-hmm. to be, uh, take two weeks off school. And mm-hmm. then there is one school that actually did shut the whole school down. One school in Barhaven, which is one of the sort of regions near where I live actually, where mm-hmm. I believe two students and two teachers mm-hmm. contracted COVID within the first two weeks of the school opening. And then they mm-hmm. shut the school down for two weeks. So, I mean... One thing that's been happening with the numbers in the province of Ontario is that they've been creeping upwards. Like since August, I, th- I think at some point we were getting, you know, double digit numbers right. for a few days. And then towards the end of August, it started getting up into the higher hundreds. Yeah. Right. And over the course of this September, it's been going from 300 up to a big jump to 700 yesterday. Yeah. Today's 500 is actually a little lower, but that 700, everyone is now looking at this and like, oh man, we are really in trouble. Right. Yeah. And, and that to add to that, like I'm seeing in my own practice, my own personal number, like Dr. Shu's family practice, number of COVID patients has also skyrocketed. I was at zero for months. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's swooped up to six suddenly in the last week. Right. So you add those up. I'm a very nervous man these days again. <laughs> well, uh, you know, schools are a bit of a barometer for what's happening in the community at large. Mm-hmm. By far, the fact that most determines whether or not there's going to be coronavirus spreading in the school is how prevalent coronavirus is in the community. Right. When we see the cases going up, it's not necessarily that, oh, yeah, now that I'm back to school, that's what caused the spread. It may well be that, you know, kids are back in school and that's just what's showing us that the virus is out there. Right, right. So my problem with it right now is with the kids mingling more and the temperature going down. I mean, that's one of the things that I've been reading is that as the weather gets colder, the 
COVID becomes a lot more easily transmitted. I think that there was some stat that I heard that for every degree Celsius that the temperature goes down, you get a 3% rise in cases, right? Because the humidity okay. apparently is, I don't know, this is from TV Ontario, reliable <laughs> source, but that the humidity is, is, is good for blocking the virus from transmitting. Well, but when yeah. you get into that cold weather, sort of like influenza, and one of the reasons why the flu season starts to spike over the winter months, yeah. same idea here. They're expecting these numbers to go up just naturally from weather. Yeah, there's there's three sort of theoretical reasons why cold season is when the weather is cold. Um, right. And I don't think any of these things has been definitively proven to be the reason, but they all make sense. So these are the sort of the mm -hmm. things that we talk about. But yeah, the humidity is one because, you know, coronavirus, like all the, all the other kind of common cold viruses, is spread by droplets. So the droplets that you breathe out are bigger when the weather is more humid. When it's more humid, you, you create droplets that are bigger because there's more moisture in the mm -hmm. air. And so heavy, bigger droplets don't travel as far or as easily as small droplets. So the humidity goes mm. down, the size of your droplets goes down, they spread more easily. Also, mm, interesting. Yeah, the other thing is that when the when it's less humid, that means that what's breathed out has less uh, humidity and moisture in the air to collide with to slow down the travel of the droplets that mm. you breathe out. You know, there's just less other droplets in the air to slow this down. And then also there's this aspect that when it's less humid, the lining of the nose it becomes more dry and potentially more mm. friable or more prone to, to or less of an effective barrier. And so that also mm -hmm. would cause you to have more, uh, an easier time for viruses to get through that barrier. Combine that with having runny nose because it's cold all the time. <laughs> so, so having your nose plugged with boogers actually could be a protective mechanism in some ways. Well, I think that actually isn't that the point of boogers. They're not just there for, for entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, what about, you said there were three points. You've only mentioned two so far. Well, I, I meant to break those two humidity things into two different points. The size of the okay. droplets you excrete uh, on top of the humidity in the air also making it harder for those droplets to travel. So that's interesting that, the, that we have some scientific basis for the weather and the temperature affecting the transmission of the virus. I mean, yeah. the other thing, obviously, is that the fall coincides with when all the kids are together, right? And everyone right. is indoors for long periods of time. Right. So there's going to be more natural transmission anyway, as opposed to summer where people are not congregating as much. That's right. And there is some some evidence to suggest that when when we're colder, when our body temperature is lower, our immune system doesn't function as efficiently. So you add all that up, and we're heading into fall. And the other, the other X factor is that fall is also the flu season, like the regular flu season. Like if we magically removed coronavirus, the flu season would still happen. That's right. But now it's going to be a double whammy where the influenza is going to float around the community and coronavirus together. And no one really knows how that interplay will happen, except that we're likely to see more cases of both yeah. at this point. Yeah. And I, I think we might have even talked about this in some of the episodes we recorded in the summer, but my prediction was that we're going to see the usual colds and flus spreading similar to how we would on a year where we weren't taking all these precautions. Well, that has started to happen. Like we're hearing more cases in the clinic, you know, in the schools, like our kids' school, like other kids are getting sick already. Like it's September 28th, right? And a lot of other people are starting to get sniffles and runny nose and sore throat, all that, all that good stuff. Yeah, that's right. And there's not a lot, a lot of COVID. A lot of these people have gone and gotten their COVID tests and they're negative. That's right. But the point is, 
things are getting transmitted. So for all this talk about the gap masks and the face shields and all these precautions, kids are getting sick, right? Yeah. And, you know, we can infer that, you know, coronavirus can't be far behind if that's happening. Certainly in August, when kids were starting to go back to daycare, I was seeing probably the same number of kids coming to the emergency department with just cold symptoms and fever that I would have mm -hmm. been seeing in any other August. And so that, that made me feel that, yeah, when September comes and kids go back to school, we'll probably also see something similar. Yeah. But we're still a couple of weeks away f potentially from the peak of things because, uh, as I mentioned on one of the previous ones we recorded, it's usually the third week after school starts, almost to the day, uh, the, like the 21st day after the start of school, that mm -hmm. we see the biggest sort of sudden jump or surge in things right. like asthma that are triggered by viral illnesses. Uh, mm -hmm. But because the start times are staggered and, you know, kids like mine, for example, have only been in school for a little over a week. Uh, we're probably about another two or week, like week and a half to two weeks away from seeing that where that peak would be. So we'll see if it gets even worse. So in your family, I mean, the other thing we have not talked about is what's going on with your wife? Like your wife is a high school teacher. So for her, this is an, there's a, we're going to see COVID from another perspective, like the teacher's perspective. How's that been? Yeah. So at her school, there's already been one kid with COVID. So it's definitely something that's, it's a real threat. You know, it's a, it feels tangible to people when they're there that like, oh yes, okay, well, you know, somebody doesn't quite follow the rules and, uh, you know, they could end up giving somebody coronavirus. But I, mm -hmm. I think, so there's that, there's the, there's those aspects of having to, as a teacher, remind students to distance police that a little bit. She often describes how things are great in class. You see kids in class, but then when the bell rings and they go out in the hallway, then all those rules just disappear for them in their mind. <laughs> and they're all over each other, just like they normally would be. Oh boy, high school. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, and then on top of that, there's just the aspects of now what it's like to be trying to teach in that model, in, the, in, mm. in a COVID setting. So you talked about how at your school, they teach and then people at home just sort of listen in on what's getting taught. Right. Uh, but that's not the norm for most of the school boards in my city. For the way they're doing it here, uh, they just took all the kids who opted for home, like virtual learning right at the beginning. And they, may, they said, okay, well, you're not part of your school anymore. You don't attend, you know, say Sir Wilford or whatever other school you go to. They, right. they said, okay, we're putting you in your own, uh, an own virtual school that's going to be all the other kids in the city all in one virtual school. And so then the schools, now you just have to deal with the actual kids who show up to class. Right. It's a little easier in theory, this setup. It's a little bit easier in theory, but on top, but they still have this, this limitation in terms of how many kids can be in the building at once. So it means that some kids, well, all kids, I guess, will have certain days where they're at school and then certain days where they're supposed to be working on work at home. Mm -hmm. And so some of the teachers will be having it where the lesson I teach today in person is, is a, not the same as the lesson I'm teaching tomorrow. That lesson will be for whoever is in person that day, and then you'll have to work on it from home. Uh, right. And then other classes are sort of more, okay, I do something today with the group that's here, and then tomorrow I repeat that, and then the group that's home does work at home. So it makes it challenging, though, and, and the expectations of parents vary wildly because it wasn't really made that clear and that standard from the get-go what was going to happen for them. Right. So, yeah, some parents are very much still in that frame of mind of, you know, we're dealing with all the anxiety and stress that comes with COVID, so you can't expect us 
to be attacking every, uh, you know, the schoolwork at full steam the way we normally would, um, which is tricky because uh, at my wife's school, and I think a lot of other schools, instead of doing semesters where you would say have four courses over half a year and four courses over the other half of the year, they're doing quadmesters where you have one or two courses and, and right. that's it. But you do that intensely for a month and a half or two months, which means, right. you know, if you miss a day or two, where the teacher takes a slow approach to saying, oh, I'm going to do some ice-breaking exercises for the first couple of days. Well, that's a lot of time. <laughs> that's, like, that's like taking a week off of regular school. Right. So anyway, there's some parents who have that expectation of you know, taking things slow, not overwhelming the kids, that kind of stuff. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got parents who their full-on expectation was that they would go, my kid would be in school all day and that would keep them busy. And then on the alternate day when they're at home, they've got four or six hours of work to keep them busy from morning till, uh, you know, like late afternoon so I can get my own stuff done. Right. So yeah, it's a challenge. So, I mean, it, it, it is a bit of crazy. And the number, what we've seen like in the newspaper is that more and more people are opting for virtual school, right? So as the cases are going up province-wide, more and more people are signing up to go online. I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew that before school started, uh, a lot of people signed up for virtual school. But you say even now people are switching from from real school yeah, to virtual. It's still happening in certain neighborhoods, especially like there's this great demand for online teaching. And then the school board has come out and said, you know, we don't have enough teachers. So they're trying to hire teachers now to fill these online spots. Yeah. So one of my friends, I just talked to her tonight. She's her like because her daughter is also starting junior kindergarten, yeah. but in the public system. And she's like, we opted. We were one of the first families to opt for virtual schooling. And when they gave us this option back in early August, we signed up right away. Yeah. And we have no teacher. Right. They keep saying it'll start next week. It'll start next week. And it still hasn't started. Like we're almost into October. Right. Oh, no. So well. that is a thing. Like some kids actually have no access right now because it's just a scramble. Right. I mean, to put it in perspective. My mom finally retired from the school board this past year. She yeah. had been kind of like winding her way down for a long time. And she's, she's a part-time Chinese school teacher. Like, yeah. so she teaches after school Mandarin through the school board. And she did this for many years. Yeah. She finally retires. She's going to kick back and relax. What happens last week? She gets a phone call from the school board. Would you like to come back <laughs> and teach? Right? Would you like to? Because yeah, I, I retired I this, by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I have this vision of my mom trying to teach a class virtually on Zoom. You know, every two seconds, my phone's going to ring. Hey, uh, I can't see the student. The window closed. How do you reopen that window? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's going to be chaos. Oh, Thank yes. goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness you retired. <laughs> I don't know how this couldn't have been predicted. That you would say, okay, well, we're separating students into into all these different groups. So now you will have more classes than before. How would well, they not I, know that they're going to need more teachers than before? Well, me, as a layperson who knows nothing about education, thought maybe you could really save money this way, you know, because if I was in charge of it, I would run like a virtual school, but it would just be one teacher. It would be like a podcast. <laughs> it would just be this one teacher reading monotonously into a mic with a thousand students, right? That guy can carry the entire school board on his back. <laughs> For what my sister in England tells me, that's what they were doing there uh, before summer break, uh, earlier in the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. The entire, not just class or, or schools, but the entire like population. They'd say, okay, grade nine, 
this is the national broadcast for what you need in their equivalent of grade nine for this course. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. And then parents, it's your job to keep up with all that and, and no, teach that, that to I think that is actually not a bad option. You know, how are you going to customize a, a class to like virtual students anyway? When just teach the material. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, like sensei is one way to go. You just need one, you know, one teacher for every subject that exists, you know? So potentially, I don't know, like 80 teachers would be all you'd need to, to teach the entire <laughs> province or entire country. Well, if you look at, if you look at online learning, especially like higher education, online learning, like university courses and stuff, they're all just videos, right? You watch a lecture, you yeah. rarely need to interact with the professor, right? I mean, that model, I mean, maybe it doesn't work so well for young kids, but in my mind, that's what I thought was going to happen. Instead of instead of this, like, now they need to hire thousands of new teachers. I don't even know where they're going to get them from. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't compute that we would have been blindsided by something like this. Well, but, except that you and I were predicting this months in advance, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> oh, gosh. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's fine for the people that want to do virtual school. But I, I don't, you know, it's not most of the population that's doing virtual school. It's something like 25%. Mm -hmm. Right. So... So now we're in this thing where in late September now we're we're getting towards Thanksgiving and the numbers are going up and they've gone up quite quickly the last few days. Yeah. And we're even hearing like through the Twitterverse and through our doctor friends that, you know, there are more and more COVID patients in the hospital. Like that's starting to accumulate a bit. Yeah. Right. Worldwide, we've hit the milestone of a million deaths worldwide. Yeah. So which also just takes it to another dimension. Like this thing is just like getting bigger and bigger. But now we're talking about this whole second wave business, you know, like that the fall could be the time where the system really goes berserk and we might need to shut everything down again, right? Yeah. To keep the population that whole at, on the whole safe. Yeah. So my question to you is, what are we supposed to do as parents? We got to tell our listeners, what is some strategy for how to deal with this onslaught of this worry of the second wave that's coming out? I think that's why people are, want to get out of this episode if we can provide some sort of answer for that i mean if the question is what can we what should we be doing then i could give you very clear guidance is that you should be going back to the same attitude you had sort of during during phase one of all this with the exception of but you're sending your kids to school you know if we actually had this stuff under control in the community then sending your kids to school would not be very dangerous at all the real problem mm -hmm. is that we're just not getting this under control in the community True. I think you are right. The schools is not where the transmission is happening so much, right? right? The main issue is there's so much background cases in the city as a whole. That's right. That putting your kids in school in that environment is very likely enough to tip this thing up another, you know, five degrees, Yeah. right? Yeah. So that is a problem, but we've accepted this. And now we've put our kids back in school and the community thing is starting to go up because we knew it would, yeah. right? Right. So now the question is, what do we do about that as parents? If we're really talking about making change, what we do as parents is redouble our commitment to doing things like actually taking a social bubble seriously and saying, mm. yeah, I will limit it to, you know, you could use the government's arbitrary 10 or you could even say, make it smaller. And I really have yeah. a social bubble that is limited to just seeing the people that I need to see in my immediate family. Um, 
uh, or if you've decided to cohort with a grandparent or something like that, and not mm -hmm. trying to meet with all your friends and saying like, oh, well, I meet with this friend all the time, so that makes them part of my social bubble as well. <laughs> they seem like very careful people. They are careful people. So we only hang out with careful people now. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's, I'll be saying to somebody who's come with symptoms of an infection, you know, they've come with cold-like <laughs> symptoms, so that doesn't mean it's COVID, but it means that they were exposed to somebody. And you're saying, oh, does anybody in the family have a job or other activities that take them out of the house where they could interact with other people from a, you know, a COVID point of view of concern? And people start saying, well, yeah, I work at such and such a place, but you know, I, I take all the precautions to follow all the rules. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you're saying, but as if, you know, as if it doesn't count. And yet you are here with infectious symptoms right now. So you caught something. <laughs> it's just been a long year, man. 2020, this is, this is just unbelievable that we're still talking about this. And we probably have another two years of this to go. <laughs> 2020 has been the longest decade I've ever had to live through. I am not the first to say that. <laughs> so what are some of our take-home points to our audience tonight? Well, you know, I think the main original point of this episode was more just to give people a sense of, well, here's what things are like now in our area and here's how it's going. Mm -hmm. But if there's a message that we would want to make sure that we put out there, I think it would be this idea that if we want things to go well for kids at school, it's not about them following the rules at school alone. It's actually about us following the rules out in the community so that there's less virus to send into the schools. And that really can't be stressed enough. So if people have mm -hmm. been kind of getting lax on what they're supposed to be doing, uh, this would be the right time to say, okay, let me redouble my efforts. So yeah, I think that is actually the message that we want to get out there for people to redouble your efforts. Let's try to keep these numbers down and not let the second wave go crazy because it, it has the potential to do so. And we have seen in some places like Italy early on in New York, where if the virus really gets out of control, it can be a major problem and it take months to recover from. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're in one of two boats. You either have your kids at home wishing that you could send them to school, uh, but suffering with them at home until you can. And if you want to get them to school, well, then you got to follow the rules so that we can get this virus under control. Or you're in the other boat. Your kids are in school and you're hoping that your school doesn't get shut down and that your kids are forced <laughs> back into the house with you. And the, the message right. is the same for you. If you want to keep them in school, you got to help us get this virus under control. Absolutely. Absolutely. We will come back in a few weeks and touch base about coronavirus again, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> even though we have not planned that episode yet. But in the meantime, everyone stay safe and we will see you in a week. Yeah. Until we record our coronavirus is over episode in exactly three weeks. Stay safe. <laughs> Good night, everyone.